All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Before I let him in your M-Chuck. He's already in. I hate to break the fishing news up your M-Chuck, but I'd like to speak about the ice hockey. Congratulations. You're one of the 13 listeners of the Real Life Podcast. We just traded a migraine in for like an orgasm. Might want to mark that down, your M-Chuck. Yep. All of my projects are on schedule until they're not. A member of the Nation Network Podcast. About as funny as we're going to get today. Welcome into episode 255 of the Real Life Podcast. I am Tyler Uremchuk. Shout out to Oodle Noodle, who sponsors the pod. 14 locations in Edmonton. Number 15 is coming to Fort Saskatchewan. Available on all your favorite food delivery services. So if you're staying home tonight and you say, I am not starting my car, I'm not risking that, but I want delicious food brought to me, you can find them on Skip and Uber Eats. Also, though, if you go in-store or do curbside pickup, a proceed of your order goes towards a local charity. It is a fantastic cause. Uh, we had a busy show coming up. Frank Saravalli from TSN. Wait, no, not from TSN. From the DFO Rundown podcast. He's going to join us at 120. Also, our friend Scott Hastings from Odd Shark. This is now the point where I usually introduce the usual cast of characters on the podcast. But the only one that showed up is Chalmers. Chalmers, how's it going? Hey, buddy. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Um, and we're just getting Wanye in now. Wanye, we're already recording. And there's we're already milk. recording. Yeah, we're already recording. I said one <laughs> o'clock. It's one o six. We're giving her. Listen to me. Me and Bag Milk were talking about you off air. Yep. And that's what we were doing for six minutes. We're like, you know, who's the worst? Your Remchuk. Mm-hmm. Why did you let him in so fast? Ah! I was excited to have just the your Remchuk Chalmers show. I, I didn't know we you were here. We had topics lined up and all of that stuff. Me and Chalmers were ready to roll with uh, just the two of us. But Bag Milk's here as well. I said to Chalmers, I said, I guarantee you Bag Milk and Wanya are on the phone together right now. Yes. And that's why they're late for the podcast. We weren't actually talking about you. We were talking about how did you know Marilyn Manson got knocked out cold at a Denny's in Lethbridge? What? 
Yeah. Who's the source? Rowdy the in, news? Uh, in 2015. So in, uh, I was, Wani well, and I were talking about it and <laughs> my buddies and I, we all went to Marilyn Manson at the Shaw conference center or whatever it's called these days for my 30th birthday. The ver- a couple of days later, a news report came out that Marilyn Manson got punched in the face in a Denny's in Lethbridge at two thirty in the morning. So we were I was just- like, "How did this escape my news radar network of all news all the time? Like that's amazing." Yeah, yeah, that's really. Anyways, that's that's stunning. why we were late. Hey, Jeff. We weren't. We weren't hey, really Wanye, talking. One, yeah. One quick thing, Wanya, you said yeah. that you didn't know that I was here, and that's because we usually do this thing over Facetime, but today we're doing it over zoom because of frank saravalli but just so that you have everybody on the same page you know if you swipe all the way to the right you'll get all four of us hey yeah there you go now you see everyone right hey how about having frank saravalli on our show chalmers i know it's like fun what are you and your loser buddies doing in 2021 chalmers talking on the phone to each other like actually we're doing a podcast really what are you losers talking about I don't know, like sports and stuff. Oh, really? You losers? Oh, by the way, Frank Saravalli's on our show today. Uh, yeah, yeah, by Frank- the way, we're going to get a guy who's on SportsCenter on TSN. Yeah, Frank Saravalli, <laughs> a guy who knows every phone number of general managers in the league off by heart, is on our show. I can't wait to ask scratch. him about the creepy CRISPR documentary I watched yesterday, you know? The what? CRISPR, Tyler. What is that? Gene editing technology. It's the future. We're here. That sounds alarming, uh, but we do have Frank Saravalli coming up. I don't think we're going to talk about CRISPR, whatever the fuck that means. Um, but uh, basically, it's going to be like a little bit of an introduction to Frank Saravalli. Ask him how he got into the business, how he got to TSN at such a young age as well. Uh, get an introduction to Frank. Also ask him a couple of hockey questions as well. Chalmers has hockey. one that he wants to bring up on top of that. Like I said earlier, we also have Scott Hastings coming up. And I had a listener who DM'd me, and I wish I had my phone on me. I can give him credit. Um, but he said he wants us to ask Scott about bank proper bank role management. And after I got my ass handed to me during the Super Bowl and Battle of Alberta, I'm looking forward to Scott's answer on how I can better manage my bankroll. Uh, Oilers tonight. Being t- a DJ. Yeah, that is probably the best advice you could give me at this or, point. Tyler, just follow along with me because I've been hitting goal props like fucking crazy. You got to start sharing. Sharing is caring. I did, man. Risky business before the game. Oh, yeah, you I'll do. Yeah, one you... today. I haven't looked. I haven't looked uh, yet today, but we'll, we'll get into that with Scott. Um, Oilers coming up tonight against the Habs. No sense really talking about it because by the time most people listen to this podcast, the game's over. So, I mean, either A, yay, the Oilers win. Either B, damn it, they let two points slip away against a Habs team that's playing on second of back-to-backs. But then the Oilers are off for the entire weekend. And we are so spoiled with these Oilers games every second night kind of thing throughout the regular season right now. Because when they go three days without a game, I'm lost. I don't know what to do with myself. I find it the nights are very long. They are long, but I find it interesting that it's hockey day in Canada this weekend and the Oilers are not playing with two of the biggest names in the NHL with, with Connor and Leon. You know what I mean? It's a joke. Every, every day is hockey day in Canada boys, but they're, they're pumping it up as this whole, you know, celebration of the sport. It's all that stuff. And you like Chalmers, I know you're going to have a take on this because we talk about marketing the league and needing all that stuff. You're not going to have your best player playing on hockey day in Canada. Like it makes no sense. Why is why would you not instead of sending the Oilers back to Edmonton after after their game tonight against Montreal? Why are they not going to Toronto? McDavid in Toronto Hockey Day in Canada. That's the way to do it. I do not understand why the Oilers are getting that day off. 
Yeah, I so I was alerted on. I was alerted on Twitter by Stephen Fiddler, one of our listeners that we uh, I think we did a listener profile <laughs> on him recently, and he alerted me to it. And when I, I had to double check, I just could not believe that they were going to have Hockey Day in Canada without McDryside and McDavid playing. And when I looked, I'd like to say that I was shocked to find out he was correct. But then I thought about the way that the NHL runs its business and the fact that I don't know anything about any NHL hockey players and that their stories aren't told. And it just shows me that they just don't have a big picture view. It is just so ridiculous. Thomas, I dare you. I dare you to tell Frank Saravalli this to me. I dare you. I dare I'm you to tell, tell him. And the I new, see, I new Bob opinion. McKenzie. Tell him right to his face and see what he says. Oh, is that what he is? He's the new Bob McKenzie? Well, do you know his deal? He's the new guy. He is the insider of insiders. He's the new Bob McKenzie. Man. Well, I think he's a part of their yeah. quartet or whatever, like him, Dreger, and, and, LeBron. And the are, yeah, they're all old boys. This is the guy. The I want to know guy. what he thinks about Tom Brady being in the fucking bag yesterday. I loved it. Are we just going to pepper him with different topics? Yes. Say to him, like, hey, Frank Zaravalli, top of the fucking media food chain, the sizzling 30 under 30 for Earth. Why is it that we don't know anything about Ryan Nugent Hopkins seven years into his career? Like, what the fuck is going on? uh, I should ask him how those negotiations are going as well. Yeah, I think I think Chalmers wanted to bring that up as well because his one of uh, Frank's bold predictions this year was that Nugent Hopkins is going to be on the free agent list uh, whenever that drops on TSN. Um, I think how dare he? Yeah, in, in an article at the beginning of the season, Frank Saravelli has his thirty-one bold predictions for the NHL season, and uh, number nine, right there, to my surprise, Nugent Hopkins will be TSN's number one free agent going into free agency. And but that, doesn't, uh, that doesn't mean he'll get to free agency though. No, that doesn't. But if he's the number, if he's going to be the number one name at the top of the list, that means that they think there's a chance. If, the, if Frank Saravalli yeah. is going to join our band at the Nation Network and be the hit singer on his own channel, he has to realize you keep your bad Oilers news to yourself, Frank Saravalli. <laughs> yeah, you keep that Listen. shit off the open. We don't need no more drama, Frank Saravalli, up here. You keep that shit to yourself. Frank, if Nuge hits free agency and you have anything to do with it, the podcast is done. Deal's off. Canceled. your fault. I I do, though, seriously, like, the fact that I know nothing about what I consider to be the third best oiler, and he's played here for seven years, and it's not for a lack of trying. (laughs) I was waiting for somebody to tell me I was wrong. (laughs) No one said anything. I thought Bagnog was going to be like, you fucking idiot. I've been here for seven years. I'm actually working on the GDB while we're talking here, so I wasn't really paying attention. He's 2010 draft. Nope. Yeah, he thing. was 2011. There we go, your check. Taylor Hall is 2010. You guys got to admit, it's ridiculous. And it is. Like, it is ridiculous. Thanks for alerting me to that, Steve. I don't normally tweet, but I had to just send something back and say, not surprised, man. These guys don't know how to run their business. Yeah, I think the way to look at that is just a general marketing thing with Frank, right? Like, could the league do a better job of that? I think expansion maybe helps. Like, that gets you in the news, gets you into more markets. Seattle's a huge TV market. So, like, Seattle coming into the league is big, too. Having the team in Vegas, I think, has been really good for the growth of the game in the state. So, I think there are some good strides being taken. But I think there, I, I think it, it definitely is fair to critique. We've done it before plenty of times on this podcast. Tyler and Chalmers, I got a question for you about Seattle. Just like this, you're not going to have an answer, but I want to ask. Do you think that team is going to do as well as some people think just behind the Seahawks and the Mariners as the bigger sports in town? 
Oh, like in general as a poll. I think so because like when NFL season is going, like when NFL season's kind of at its peak, that's sort of middle of the regular season for hockey. But as you go down the stretch for hockey, like baseball's quiet, football's in the off season. So I think there's plenty of room for, for them to come in there and have like a really diehard fan base. Also, Seattle's a huge sports town. Like Seahawks fans, the 12s, they're, they're insane. So I think if, hockey will be fine. If you are a Vancouver Canucks fan, do it's you abandon true, that shitty franchise? Yes. And make your way to the Seattle Kraken. Yes. Oh, what the hell? What the hell what? Um, the NHL just released a statement on the Oilers game tonight. As the result of an Oilers player entering the league's COVID protocol earlier today, the league announced a change to the start time against the Habs. So it's going to start at six o'clock mountain and uh, as to allow for the completion and analysis of Oilers test results in advance of the game. Um, oh, I know, no. I know no one can say this, but do you think this has anything to do with yes, Yarvi not being at morning skate? Oh no, this isn't good. What? So, so they're going to push it back one hour so that they can analyze the testing. Does that mean that maybe they've been starting games without getting actually all the test results from all the players? That happened in Vegas the other night. Thomas Noshik left after the second period. I think it was Noshik because he had a positive test. And in the second period, they were like, get the fuck out of here. What? Well, what is oh, an okay. hour going to do? Maybe the, I thought they're all vaccinated by now. What the fuck is going on? Why aren't we vaccinating everybody? There are superior people to the rest of us insects. Give everyone a vaccination so this shit doesn't happen anymore. Well, it's not canceled, so I guess that's good. We still have a game to watch tonight, but uh, maybe we'll see. Well, yeah, who fucking knows? Can I, guess. I say? Can I say something about the Seattle question that Beg Mote asked? Yeah, because yes, I agree that they're going to have a window to get to gain fans, but I also believe that they need to do it quickly and they need to push their stories hard. They need to get their marketing department on overdrive because when Seattle gets its basketball team back, they will be playing at the exact same time, having their finals at the exact same time. And that will completely decimate any type of fan interest if they have not created it already. Well, that was a big thing for Vegas, too, was they need to, you know, establish a fan base. And that's a big reason, I think, why the NHL went as quickly to get into Vegas as they could get the fan base, get them loving the Golden Knights before the NFL shows up. I think oh, that was a big get reason. their basketball team back. What do you mean? Well, so well, they've had a big push recently ever since the Supersonics have left. They oh, my God. I didn't know that the Supersonics left. <laughs> when did the Supersonics leave? Like when 20 years ago. Uh, a long time no, ago. It wasn't 20. It was like, what, 15 years ago? Like the start of oh, KD's career. Oh, no. There, there's talk. I would have bet uh, $2008. There's dollars. What, there's talk every year that they're coming. There's talk every year that they're coming back. And I think it's really serious this time that they're going to be coming back uh to, to a franchise. I don't even know if it's going to be through expansion or through moving. There is some NBA franchises that are really struggling. And um, so they might move, but I think it's like, I think it's kind of inevitable at this point, anytime now. Yeah. I, I think, uh, I think it'll be expansion. I think the NBA is looking at the NHL now being at 32. And on top of that, they're looking at, uh, they're looking at obviously football has been at 32 for a while, but I think baseball is going to eventually make a push here. I say within the next five years, NBA and MLB are at 32 as well. And all four leagues will be at 32. If you had told me your M Chuck 
Hey, Wanye, how do you think the Seattle Supersonics are doing this year versus last year after they lost all those players in free agency and then, like, framed up a fictitious situation? I'd have been like, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. I would have had no fucking idea the Supersonics left. How could they leave? Seattle's one of the richest markets in the USA. What happened? Yeah, it was. I think it was pretty stunning, like, kind of when they left to go to, like, Oklahoma City. Um, what? Odd. Yeah, that's where they moved. They became the OKC Thunder. Did they give them a free OKC Thunder? Yeah, huh. not the Oklahoma City Barons. That would be the Oilers' <laughs> AHL. No, 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 jeez. <laughs> Good God, I can tell you enough about the Barons to fill a book. I just didn't realize the Oklahoma City Thunder. I thought they were an expansion team. I, I also, I, I topics are just flying at me for today's podcast, but I'm looking at a picture right now of a suite at uh, the Red Deer Arena that has been turned into a little dorm room. And apparently, <gasps> this via World Hockey Report, the Red Deer Rebels will be living at the rink for the upcoming season. What? what? Imagine? Imagine? I thought they were going to let a, they should let a, a picture I just retweeted. There. They should rent They're out the boxes let... as condos to fans. <laughs> what are they going to sleep in? Like on cots and shit? <laughs> Go look at the picture I just retweeted. Also, uh, Frank Saravalli's here. Ah! Frank's ready, so I'm going to let Frank into the chat now. All right, episode 255 of the Real Life Podcast, special guest, and most people would intro him as Frank Saravalli from TSN, but I will intro him as Frank Saravalli from the DFO Rundown Podcast. Frank, thanks for joining Real Life today. What's Woo! up? It's good to be here. Uh, all right, let's, just, let's get right into the podcast life for you, because you've never done a podcast of your own or anything like that. We're now one episode deep on uh, DFO Rundown. How much are you enjoying, and how much do you think you'll enjoy going forward, having a platform where you can kind of take your filter off a little bit? Yeah, that's fun. I, you know, I was actually thinking about um, over the weekend after we were kind of nailing down episode one, we're still kind of getting our feet wet. And then I was like, how much should I swear on here? Is like, what, what is appropriate? What's good? Should it have emphasis? Um, you know, and I couldn't help but think our first guest, Paul Maurice, he is a legendary swearer. Like if you spend any time around him, around the rink, you know, you could get 20 F-bombs in a string of 30 words and he's dropped them in press conferences. He did it last week with regards to, Blake Wheeler and his defense, and he didn't swear a single time on the DFO rundown podcast. And I was thinking that it's smart and not just not swearing. Cause like we could all come up with better words to use and more descriptive words, but the fact that he does it for a reason with emphasis, um, you know, it's just one of those little nuances of podcasting that obviously I don't have the option to do that on air uh, or on radio. And so it's, you know, just one of those little things that I'm thinking about a little um, adventure to go on uh, and trying to see how we do it. It's sort of like a defenseman jumping up in the rush where if you just do it every single time, eventually everyone will get sick of it and think it's dumb and that you should stop doing it. But if you pick your spots, people will enjoy it. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking. And I've got some fun stories that we can roll out along the way. Some are more graphic than others. And uh, that'll be fun. Let's uh, I want to go back through your career in media a little bit, because it, for me, it's fascinating. I mean, you're under yeah, 35. Like, you're on TSN. Well, we talked about on the last podcast where we talked about, hey, who's playing shit into their mic? Stop that. We're recording a podcast right now. Um, anyways. Hi, Frank, for you, a young guy now. But let's go back to the beginning. <laughs> when did you think you wanted to start working in media? Like when did this when was when did this become something you thought you wanted to do? Probably in high school. Yeah. Uh, I realized I wasn't a good enough hockey player to you know, to really go far. And I figured the next best 
job aside from being a hockey player would be to be in some sort of hockey media role. And so when I was in high school, I started, there's down here in Philly, there's a local magazine that would be published at the rinks and it's called breakaway magazine. It doesn't exist anymore, but it, it was printed every month and it was just available for free. Kind of like, as you walk into the lobby of the rink and I reached out to them. I let them know I was interested in doing it, told them I was in high school and they gave me an opportunity to write a few different things, uh, go to the rink and talk to people. And at some point, um, maybe in my senior year of high school or my freshman year of college, uh, they came to me and they said, Hey, look, um, as part of like the local media here, we have a, a press pass to the flyers and you know, the guy who has it, he can't make it. Uh, his wife's having a baby and he needs to step back. This is just a volunteer position. They're like, we can't pay you a dollar, but if you're interested, we'll give you our credential to the flyers games and you can go and hang out in the press box and meet people and watch the flyers. And I was like, huh? I was like, that sounds amazing. The only, the only requirement was that you showed up to every game every home game so that they could keep the seat. Essentially. I was like the guy that was, whose job was to keep the seat warm for the next person. (laughs) And I went there and just, you know, I'm a people person. I like talking to people, meeting people, hanging out with people, drinking beers, Um, just started meeting the people that cover the team on a regular basis. It was kind of a small group. Then internet media hadn't really launched. Uh, It was basically newspapers and, you know, TV and radio. And so Met them, uh, turned into a few freelance gigs to make a long story long. And eventually I started interning at the Philadelphia Daily News. And I spent a year there before I was actually ready to leave and go to grad school. There were no, jo- there were no jobs at all in hockey media and, and no jobs at all in the Philly sports media. So I was ready to go to college or to grad school to get my master's at Columbia in journalism. And I moved to New York and I was there three weeks and the paper called me and they said, Hey, um, the guy that was covering the flyers here, he decided to retire two weeks before training camp. Do you have any interest in coming back to interview for the position? Uh, I graduated school early and I got that job when I was 21. And then it's kind of just been off to the races since. How wild was it, Frank? How wild was it, Frank, that you grew up loving hockey and then all of a sudden you're 21 years old and you're covering the flyers. It was pretty, pretty insane. Um, I think when I actually first started covering the team, I hadn't turned 21 yet. I couldn't even drink a beer. So I remember going to the 2008 playoffs and the Flyers went to the conference final that year against Pittsburgh. It was a short series, but we had a few long days in Pittsburgh. And so I would hang out with the other media members and they'd have to sneak me into the bar um, (laughs) just to hang out. So um as someone, um, one of my mentors in the industry told me, he's like, if you want to get ahead in this, in this industry, you need to know how to drink a beer. And I was like, well, <laughs> pretty sure I got that covered. And, um, yeah, so they snuck me in and like all of a sudden, you know, like I said, next thing I know, less than a year later, I'm, you know, going to every flyers game, traveling on the road and, um, just an incredible opportunity. Did it? Oh yeah. Go ahead. Chalmers. Was it normal back in the day for some of those old boys to, maybe have a pot while they're covering the game. And did you see that stuff in the press box? Never during a game. Um, for whatever reason, what sticks out to me with regard to that is Texas. Um, I covered <laughs> an Eagles game there against the Cowboys when I was working for the paper during one of the lockouts. And they have like beer taps right in the press room 
but they weren't like flowing before the game, but after the game, you could just like walk up with a glass and pour yourself a beer <laughs> right out of that. Heaven. But also the stars, when I first started the Dallas stars after the game was like my first game covering in Texas, when I was covering the flyers, they would bring a six pack to your seat in the press box. And you could just basically like sip as you wrote. And I thought that was the best thing ever. That's unreal. That's I remember great. I covered juices flowing. I like obviously here in Edmonton, you'd never get that in the press box. But I remember I covered a curling tournament, the world curling championships or some shit when he was here, when I was in Nate. And when you went to the media room there, there was a beer fridge covering curling's a ton of fun. All the best writers are drunk. So I mean, <laughs> that's, that's just the way it works. I was going to ask you uh, if, you know, like if you ever get like young kids or young kids in air quotes, like an 18, 19 year old who reaches out to you and asks for career advice, is your career advice to just learn how to drink beer? <laughs> I don't think that's exactly what my career advice would be. And I do get asked that a lot. Um, my first like answer to that is like, be engaging. Like if you are someone that wants to break into this field, obviously you need to meet people and they can help open doors for you. But I get so many emails that are like the run of the mill. Can you help me? Like, doesn't explain their situation. Will you talk to me or, you know what? It's like, be engaging, like set yourself apart from the rest. Tell me why I should, you know, engage with you and, and try and help you in your career. And I'm more than happy to do so because so many people did for me, but just show like a little initiative. And the other thing I would suggest, not that you asked this question, but the other thing I would suggest is read, read a lot. Um, I spend so much of my day reading a lot of it's spent on the phone, but I'm reading almost everything that's out there. I go through the clips every morning where I'm getting around the league to make sure I don't miss anything if I wasn't able to watch a game. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, that's that's great advice as well. I think a lot of times people just think like, oh, I was a hockey fan growing up. I should be able to talk about hockey for a living and all that. And like, there's there's a lot more than just like talking about your favorite team that goes into it. Uh, so we, we got to the point in your career where you were working for the paper, covering the Flyers. When did TSN start coming into the picture? So I covered the Flyers for six seasons, I believe. And, uh, had, um, my son was born in 2014. Uh, I joined TSN in 2015 and believe it or not, I didn't know a ton of people at TSN. Um, the reason I found out about the job, I remember I was in Toronto covering a Maple Leafs game, um, uh, just a regular flyers road trip. And someone had mentioned to me, Hey, did you see TSN posted this job on a, like an online job board? And I was like, huh? I was like, that's kind of interesting. The title was, uh, TSN hockey blogger. And I wasn't sure like what it entailed, what they wanted to do. And I actually missed the deadline to apply. Um, and so I, I had just reached out to a couple people that I knew. Um, one of them being Bob McKenzie, I didn't have like a deep, deep relationship with him. Uh, he had, would just reach out to me every now and again and say, Hey, uh, do you have the flyers lines today or, uh, what's going on in Philly today? Or like, he'd send me some kind of fun note, like, you know, keep rattling those fuckers cages down there. Like, you know, you do <laughs> work, whatever. And so I just, you know, phoned him up one day and I was like, Hey, do you know anything about this job? And he's like, yeah, I know all the people involved. Like I can help recommend you. And, and that's kind of what happened. And I think it was one of those situations where they were able to get me in the application process, even though I was late and went through like the longest job search of my life in the sense that like, it took four months from 
maybe even longer, almost five months from sending a note saying I was interested to going through the number of interviews, a trip to Toronto. Um, I actually didn't get the job uh, at first. They offered it to someone else and that person then declined and they came back to me and it was just a wild turn of events where I started uh, basically the week of the Stanley Cup final in 2015. I got a question for you about source development. You know, guys like you, when you're young and, you know, you have to develop these sources and you have to make them trust you. And, and I imagine you've got quite a few. And I've always really been interested in how journalists and writers go about developing sources. I would say it just comes from being around every day. Um, you know, you're when you cover one team like I did at the start, you're there every day. You're at every practice, every game. You're in the press box. You're asking questions. You're in every scrum. You're trying to call people on the phone. Um, you know, the way you handle yourself, your comportment, uh, the way you treat people, if you're respectful. Um, are you friendly? Can you have a laugh? Are you always bugging a guy about this or that? Can you talk about, you know, something else going on, whether it's, um, you know, football, we, you know, go to a guy and talk about the Super Bowl. Like you don't have to talk hockey every day, every minute of every day. And so I think guys appreciate that sort of conversation that you can have around the room and just get to know people on a human basis, ask them about their kids. Um, yeah, perfect. Cause I've always, I've always thought it was a quite a fine line to walk. And like, you see what happened with uh, Jacob Borchek and like just, how he, you know, how he treated that writer. And that must basically kill that writer to the rest of the team when the leader is, you know, not trusting him and calling him out. Like it's got, you got to really like be careful or it's like career suicide for a guy like that. If you get on the wrong side of somebody, is that, is that tough to do? I don't, I mean, look, you have disagreements all the time. Um, I can't tell you how many times, um, I had a run in with a coach or with a player or a GM when I covered the flyers, um, you know, they'd call you out. And that was the other part of it is like just being there every day. Uh, they know that you're going to show up the day after that and the day after that. And, um, they begin to respect that. And like, as long as you're respectful and can defend yourself, uh, in terms of what you wrote or said that, I think they just like to get it off their chest and then everyone moves on. So like, I think, the unfortunate part of the like 2021 zoom environment is that you've lost that ability to interact with people. And I think that stuff maybe not on that exact scale happens all the time where there's disagreements and, you know, someone didn't like something that was said or written, but people hash it out. Like you just go into the hallway and talk it out and move and apologize if you felt like you needed to and move on. Um, and sometimes like those di disagreements that I had, they ended up becoming really strong people or sources, if you will, that I ended up talking to because they can relate to you and they see that you're just someone that shows up every day trying to do the job. Well, Frank, speaking of people who've written something that you disagree with, I noticed on your 30 bold predictions that you put out at the beginning of the season, number nine, Ryan Nugent Hopkins has become <laughs> the number one free agent on the TSN board. Uh, How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> so, this is a very pro-Nugent Hopkins that's, podcast. That's, <laughs> yeah, Frank, as uh, president and CEO of the Ryan Nugent Hopkins fan club here in Edmonton, um, <laughs> what's going on between the player and this team right now? 
Well, I was going to say, does it really seem that bold at this point, given the way the season has unfolded to start? No, and the thing that I'm worried about is, like, the number one one that you had was, like, Montreal Canadiens will be atop the North Division. They're doing pretty good at the beginning. That looked crazy. Now they look like the best team in the North. And then, you know, you have you have just other things that all hit. And so it makes me even more worried the more that I see that you're right with some of these. Look, I think these two sides, the Nugent Hopkins camp and the Oilers went around and around in circles this summer, or I guess the fall and the off season. And they understand really clearly where they stand. And I think part of this, you know, everyone's curious to see how this unfolds because I think I mentioned today on the lowdown with low tide, just about he, Ryan Nugent Hopkins is sort of, typically a slow starter to his seasons. And you look back to last year, I think the stat that I quoted was seven even strength points in his first 35 games of the year. And it wasn't until he went to play with Yamamoto and Dreisaitl that he really exploded and ended up at 61. And I think this year to start, you know, everyone was saying, well, why don't you just go back to that? Cause it worked. But the other part of it was they needed someone to play with McDavid. And so he's now got this opportunity on a line where he should be able to really do some damage and the point production, it hasn't been terrible, but at even strength, it hasn't exactly been there. And so I think everyone's wondering what exactly is going on. Is the contract weighing on him? Is the situation, you know, just not unfolding chemistry wise. Right. And then I think if you're the Oilers, you're saying, well, if we have six and a half to $7 million to spend and do we want to do it on Ryan Nugent Hopkins, given the production value that we're getting out of him? You know, they, they love him. The team loves him. He loves being there. Or could we potentially spend that money in a better way? And so I think that's sort of the internal push and pull that's going on. And the best part, I think, for everyone here is that there's a lot of runway to, to really come to a conclusion on that. Certainly something to keep an eye on. And I know it, like you said, Frank, the, the Oilers seem to love him. He seems to love it here. And the fan base is, I mean, just fucking nuts about the guy. He's without a doubt, probably like outside of McDavid and dry saddle. He's probably the fan favorite in this city. Um, he's probably going to have to readjust his expectations in terms of money. Like, do you think $7 million is a sticking point in this? I do. Um, I don't think the Oilers are willing to go to a number that starts with a seven. At least that's my understanding so far. And that was, all in the pandemic world. So the cap and everything yeah. had been the same. Just because now I'm thinking about this, if the Oilers aren't willing to go to seven, and I mean, they also have the ability to potentially offer him, you know, the year more than other organizations are in free agency. Like in a pandemic world, especially like we just saw Mike Hoffman get squeezed, Taylor Hall had to take a one-year deal. If the Oilers can't give him seven or aren't willing to give him seven, is there an organization out there that's going to be in a position to give him that much money in free agency? Well, that's the risk, right? Yeah. Like that's the gamble is trying to figure out whether one is or isn't. And the Bruins went through this with Tory Krug, if you remember. Yeah. Um, their offer was something like six times six and a half, if I'm not mistaken. And it took him going, you know, he, he got a real stroke of luck with Petrangelo leaving St. Louis, opening up a team that was had the cap space and was willing to spend. But um you know what, if it wasn't for St. Louis, then they would have been in a position where they needed to, you know, he would have been in trouble. So it's a risk that you take when you go to the market and they're going to have to weigh all those things out. But I think the one thing to kind of look forward to, if you're 
Ryan Nugent Hopkins and maybe not a lot of these other guys is this might be the best free agent class we've had in 10 years, maybe longer. Uh, the number, the, the quality of names that are on the market or could be is going to be fascinating and might be another reason why the Oilers want to lock them up. If you were to ballpark it, Frank, just for my personal well-being, where would you say we're at? Are we 50-50 or something like that? <laughs> I think we're 50-50. Okay. I, I, oh, that's, yeah, I don't think the horse is, is out of the barn, um, but I, I think they're in a position where he needs to produce to to justify what he's looking for, I think. And, and if not, they might be able to find someone that can do a little bit better in that exact role that he's being used in. A couple more for you, Frank, because I know we're running out of time here. Uh, we were at the point in your career, as we keep getting sidetracked, because that's what we do on this podcast, um, where you get the gig at TSN. Do you remember like your first sort of on-camera hit for TSN? Like, Were you nervous oh, yeah. at all for that, for that first hit? Oh, my God. I was shitting my pants. <laughs> I had done a lot of TV before that um, in the Philly market, and I was – let's see. I – my first two on-air experiences were actually like incredibly difficult. Uh, the first one was There's the phone in Vegas. <laughs> Did my phone just ring again? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there, that's another probably phone. Ryan Nugent Hopkins agent being like, Sarah Valley, get off that topic. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, my first one was in Vegas at the NHL awards with Brent Wallace. And I was the new guy, the rookie. And he was kind of just like, he was fun, but it was like, you're holding the mic wrong. You're doing this wrong. You're not smiling. Stand closer together. Like all these little tips to the trade that I just never knew about. And like that, that totally fucked me up for like six months. And I was like really struggling. Um, and then the second one, my second on air appearance, they sent me to uh, South Bend, Indiana for Blackhawks training camp after the allegation surfaced with Patrick Kane uh, for sexual assault. And so I was with Sarah Orleski, who I'd never worked for before and has become one of my closest friends at TSN, just a fantastic human being. And it was such a difficult subject. And I was already so uncomfortable on air, just trying to feel my way through the process that, um, man, like I, I, I'm glad no one's ever like played that clip again, because you know, I just, it's just one of those situations where you want to make sure every single word that you say is the right one to handle and report on it appropriately. And that was a difficult one to get thrown into, but I think I'm better off for it now. Last year. Uh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Beg milk. Well, one thing I wanted to ask you about Frank was kind of lending to what you were talking about earlier, how you're developing sources and relationships with people seeing as you're the 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 insider on TSN, how do you pick and choose between what you would say on something like trade center or insider trading? And what do you keep to yourself? How do you weigh those, those decisions when you're, when, when you're putting something out in a broadcast? It's a really good question. And it's one that I kind of ask myself daily. Um, I've personally just found that the best reporters that cover the NHL, you only know like what, what only makes it to public, like to public air is 10% of what they actually know. And then you find that there's other people out there that are running around trying to get as much information out there as they can. And what they're publicly putting out there is 90 or 95% of what they know. And so, you know, if you can keep some in your arsenal and, and continue to, you know, use that information to push forward and find out more information, I think that's so valuable and the other part is, is too, in, in how you frame it, 
you know, you could be on great terms with a person who's helping you with information, whether it's background or insight, or even, you know, helping you, you know, with something that you're trying to break. Um, but if you don't phrase it in the appropriate way and you piss them off, like that comes back to bite you too. So look, there's, there's no question and it's unfortunate, but I think it's probably the way it has to be is that there's an adversarial relationship that exists between the media and the teams that we cover because they don't want the information out there or else they would just do it on their own. And so we're kind of digging behind the scenes to try and uh, get that information out there. And, and that's the push and pull that exists, but it's also like kind of what makes it so fun. Like you wake up every day and you're like, what can I figure out? Well, you know, what's out there that I can get my hands on. Last year, right, let me, let me have a quick little rant. I haven't said sure. one word. I've been so okay. good. I've been sitting here. I've been biting my tongue the whole damn time. <laughs> hey, you ever- can one- you come back again, Frank, please? We have so many questions, please. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Chalmers, I own my podcast rights, like literally. <laughs> Sir, we are not. We are, we are my, your distributor, distributor, rather. You are the talent <laughs> and you own your own shit. Chalmers, are you watching what's happening here? This is very exciting. I was in a meeting with yes, these American me- this is This is a momentous podcast. I'm very happy. This is very exciting. I was in a meeting with some American dudes, right? And the Nation Network's on the verge of getting some new business partners and really trying to like go for it and make way more content and, you know, get way bigger. And it's predominantly in the States. And I was in a meeting with these potential partners who were talking about like getting a new master class of content creators. And they went around the room and they're like, who's the number one person? And every single person said Frank Valley, And I said, Jason Greger, cause he's my boy. <laughs> and now he's on the podcast. Now we're on. A Frank oh, you, you Valley. Don't wanna do, you, hmm? you don't want to launch this thing with guys in their trucks. <laughs> Commerce, like a really nice truck. We're talking to Frank Cervalli. <laughs> we're doing the both of the same. That's what she said. Anyways, listen, Frank Cervalli, you are the most legitimate media guy. I'm so fucking stoked about this. You're like a throwback to like Red Fisher and shit. And yeah, the yeah, game is so excited. much better. It's the, the game is so much better off with you talking about it. Right. Like I always wonder it was Edmonton with the Oilers in the eighties. Like I was too young for it all, mm-hmm. but we had really good reporters. We had really good media here at the time. And like our announcer was super good. And I'm like, I wonder how much better the Oilers are because the media is so good at telling the stories and announcing the best team ever. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think like for the long-term viability of the game, sports journalism is a bitch. There's basically no jobs. Right. It's not like when we were a generation before us, last right? week, like, Fuck, man. It's ridiculous, right? And, you know, Yuremchuk's a really good example. Like, he's the Doogie Hauser of the Edmonton sports scene, and you're the super meta Doogie Hauser of hockey, right? And the fact that you're both in the same podcast, if I was just listening to this, I'd be like, damn! The fact that I'm on it, I'm like, what? Is that the rant? Yeah, man. That's the whole rant? My final question is, can you start a rumor for us, Frank, that Edmonton (laughs) is suddenly... The number one destination of choice for free agents. Every free agent. And remark, remark aloud. Wow, Edmonton is so popular now. Everybody wants to play there because then players will get tricked. That's my question. I can help you maybe if you guys like relocated 2,000 miles south. (laughs) No. No. Only minus 35 here right now. Yeah. Yeah. Frank. I think that might have a small something to do with it. Yeah, it was like minus 45 Celsius with wind chill tonight, overnight. So uh, Whatever, man. Philadelphia is cold as balls. I was there once. It's not fucking minus 40. 
No, wow, it's but a, it's a wet cold, though. It's a different cold. It's a dry it's a different cold. cold. I was uh, cold as shit day. the one day I was there. <laughs> Anyways, is... Frank, good luck to you, sir. Good luck to your continued ascent to the top of everything. Good luck to your podcast. Anything well, we can do to help? You have friends in Edmonton, buddy. Hey, that's actually the best part. Um, I got to tell you guys, when I really first started at TSN, the city that I connected the most with right off the hop was Edmonton. And I say that not because I'm on with you guys. I just became close with a few people in the city. And I, it, it always felt to me like the Philly of the North in terms of the passion of the fans and how everyone digs in and buys in on the team. And that doesn't exist, you know, across Canada and especially across the rest of the league. So I just connected like on a, you know, sort of a mental vibe or, or wavelength with Edmonton in a different way. And I'm, you know, it's kind of fitting in a way that I was able to connect with you guys and, and get this podcast rolling. Dope. So, so what he says is, yeah, to what, to what, like, so we talk about on this podcast a bunch of times. And since you are somebody who is very valuable to the NHL right now, I wonder if you have an opinion on this. We talked about the fact that the NHL as a whole has a marketing problem that we don't know the stories. Um, we're going to make this quick, but in Canada, Hockey Day in Canada, neither Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl are going to be playing that day. I don't know anything about Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and he's played here for 11 years. Why, are, and why and how can they start to tell the story better, and why aren't they doing it of the players? I can't mm. answer that. I, it's, I don't think it's a media issue. I think it's really a, no. an access issue. I think it's um, – and I think some of that's changing a little bit because I think the NHL is realizing as a whole that they need the media and a partnership to to help tell these stories, and, and that naturally helps sell the game. And to this point, that's been missed, and it, a lot of people have lost out on that. So, um, you know, I, I'm hoping that it's changing, but, you know, at the same time, having been around for – you know, 10, 11, 12 years now, I'm not really holding my breath because I think the access has gotten a little worse instead of a little better. And so there's a lot of, there's a lot of ways to go. And I don't think COVID's helping either. The fact that we can't press the flesh, spend time talking to people, everything's on these cold zoom calls. And if not, you're cold calling someone. So it's not, uh, it's not exactly the best environment. And you obviously have a unique perspective on that because of your role with uh, the PWHA as well. Like, are you, I'm, I should wrap this up, but this is my last one, I promise. Are you worried that with this Zoom stuff and the access being taken away for COVID, are you a little nervous it might not get back to like what it was before? I think everyone's nervous about that. Um, you know, what point do we need to get to in this pandemic that everyone will feel that it's safe enough for us to go back in the dressing room and be on the same level as the players? And it, it almost feels now like a different world than it did a year ago. And, you know, we, we got written guarantees essentially from the NHL and the NHL players association that I made sure to send from our, to our membership to let them know that the NHL has no plans and no, um, I guess, you know, sense that they want to move in any direction off of what, these current media regulations are. And so I'd like to take them at their word and believe that I just don't know how far off in the distance or future it is. Is it two years? Is it three years before we can finally get back to that? And what's going to pop up between now and then it's so many unknowns and it does make me nervous for the industry and, and how we do our jobs. But 
I think everyone has to make sacrifices. And I think at, at this point, you know, given what's gone on in this industry, you know, I know I speak for myself and saying that I'm really thankful to, to even have a job at this point covering hockey. Yeah, I have no so kidding. many questions like how the hell are you the president of the Hockey Writers Association <laughs> despite being the youngest person at the meeting? Anyways, you have to come back. I have so many yes. Also the most hungover person. <laughs> I did, are they just like, does everyone just look at you and they're like, oh, he reminds me of me when I was younger. And you're like, I'm, I'm like, in charge, by the way, everybody, I am in charge. 32 and he's got gray hair and he's fat. He must be 50. And I think that's what everyone has thought. Frank, we could, uh, we could go on for hours with you, man. We'll have to do this again in a few Thank weeks. You so Thanks much, for your buddy. time. Anytime, yeah. guys. My pleasure. Pleasure. Take yeah. care. Frank Saravalli from the DFO Rundown podcast on uh, on the Real Life podcast. Two Chalmers, Nation Network we're podcasts fucking getting together. somewhere, buddy. He said he'll come back whenever we want. We're we, doing can, it. we can ask him that's- what is happening. It's like getting to talk to the TV. Rather than that watching him on TV. Our, like, hmm. the, the, that made our legitimacy bump go up a bit, did it not? Like, Frank Saravelli yes, is an active, big-time sports reporter. <laughs> like, that was very cool. I, my Dude. favorite part about chatting with him is you can tell, like, just the tone in his voice changes when he goes from, like, fun Frank talking about, like, himself and drinking beers with the boys in the press box, and then he gives an answer to, on Ryan Nugent Hopkins' contract, and it's like you're listening to an episode of That's Hockey. He's like, listen, here's what's happening between the two sides. It's great. I love it. Love it. Your M. Chuck, you gotta mm-hmm. fucking listen to that guy. No, you too could be like Frank Saravalli, except that you already live in 2021 when you're young, and the roadblocks to blowing up online there are none. Whereas when Frank was your age, you couldn't even do it. Right? Frank was my age like a decade ago. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, man. Like it'd be easier for you to be the next new Bob McKenzie that's on TSN, but you're like ten times bigger online. Cause you've had way more experience doing shit online, right? Wanye, people love when you disclose things about business and I don't know how much you want to disclose about, about this, but like, like it's, it's cool to get a guy like Frank Cervelli and to kind of be in business with him. Type yes, of we are kind of being business. I signed a contract with him. It's fucking off the chains. It's crazy. I know what? Well, yeah. I, I think people would be really interested in the, um, whenever you're ready to tell them like the, the ins and outs of just kind of what, what, how the growth of a podcast goes, you know, like, just, yeah, yeah. And how the, well, the growth I think, of like, that company. We're on the verge of like doing some pandemic deals here that are like hail Marys that you throw that bounce off the kicking thing in the end zone. And it falls in the guy's hands, like very low percentage receivers. We're making them. And I think at the end of that, when Jay's on and shit, we'll probably like talk to the people that we're doing the deals with on the show. And be like, what are we doing as a business? Why are we doing business together? Why is Frank Valley here all of a sudden? How is this part of a larger plan? Because <clears throat> I think that like, it's interesting that an Edmonton company, when he said that we, uh, Philly, or Edmonton's the Philly of the North, I was like, bitch, maybe you're the fucking Edmonton of the South. You ever think of that? We're <laughs> I wanted to, to say fucking... that too. <laughs> uh, we got our second way guess- higher than Sorry, we got our second guest of the day joining us on the pod today. Uh, Scott Hastings from Oddshark. Oddshark.com. What in the hell? I know, Wanye. Wanye, you're never here for the betting segment, but you're on the podcast right now. What do you mean? Cut me off fucking mid-idea when Frank Saravalli's on the show? Shit. Well, hold on. Bring the guy on the show, and then I'll yell at you. Scott, uh, we had Frank Saravalli on earlier. That's why we were late getting to you. 
Beauty. Uh, hopefully I, I'm not the main event after him. I don't know if I can live up to those shoes. <laughs> we were patting ourselves on the back about how amazing it is that we're able to do a podcast with Frank Sarah Valley because we're a bunch of goofs up in Edmonton who do whatever we want all day long. And then you bring me on. Well, I, well, I know. Cool. I hey, know like, you know Frank Sarah Valley, right? Like, you know of his work, right? I, I do very it's much. cool. So. Hey, he's legit, right? <laughs> legit. Yeah, absolutely. This whole podcast well, has been uh, Wanye bragging about knowing Frank Saravalli. What was I'm that, Thomas? Excited, fucking... No, but in conclusion to Wanye's thought, and it will be a podcast for another time, but I sat yeah. on the phone with him for an hour, and he told me the ins and outs of what's going on in the podcast world, in his business world, and it I was gripped for an hour. Like, it will be fantastic <laughs> for the listeners. So let's just cut it off there, and let's get to some betting talk. Yeah, 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 yeah. My, we never talked about Super Bowl with me. That's for damn sure. Well, I got fucking slaughtered in the Super Bowl, but uh, Scott Hastings, I think you did all right, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I did pretty good. Um, loaded up on the Bucks. I had Gronk for a touchdown score. I had Antonio Brown for a touchdown wow. score. Um, I had the over with Clyde Edwards-Alaire. That was one of my favorite bets. And that under six and a half receptions for Tyreek Hill. So I pretty much couldn't miss there on Super Bowl, but I was absolute trash through the rest of the NFL playoffs. So, eh, it's the way she goes. Uh, let's, uh, Chalmers, do you have any Super Bowl takes you want to get out with Scott? Any, any bets you made that weren't good? Any bets you made you liked? Anything you want to get off your chest here before I transition to hockey? Yeah, you got your under. Well, no, not really. But, for, um, uh, Scott, I went through like the progression that some people go through and it was the worst case scenario for me on the podcast on Thursday before the Super Bowl. I bet I, I, I predicted T-Bay. Remember we said two potent offenses. It's going to be the under. Mm-hmm. I nailed it. Over the weekend, Uh-oh. I started thinking more, uh-huh. and I talked myself into the exact opposite bet. And I bet on Casey, and I bet on the over, and I absolutely got killed, and I couldn't fucking believe it. Like, yeah. why did I go through that mental state? What? what like, I don't know, man. That, it, it sucked. It's, and, and, it, it's, it's almost like fantasy football, too. Uh, they tell you not to tinker Sunday mornings, and uh, I think you fell into a little bit of that trap that you – you overthink about it at some point. You were bang on Tampa Bay and the under. And, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things. The more you read, the more you don't know. That's fair. I know. I just overthought it. And I, and I couldn't believe it because I'm sitting there after the first quarter, the first – I think it was probably about the first half when I went, you're the biggest idiot. And you just have all that regret and there's nothing you can do about it. You know, it's like it's like that thing where you you you, you change your bet but then you change it back because you're like, listen, I'm just going to stick with my first instinct, right? Because then if I'm wrong, it's it's fine. It was my first instinct is what I believed. But if you change it and you're wrong, then you beat yourself up for be, for changing it. And I just fell into the trap, man. Other than that, the game sucked. I watched it with just my <laughs> wife and no friends. Whatever. Super Bowl to forget. <laughs> That's right. That's lots of fun, though. I also had Tom Brady MVP throw that one in there. Oh, jeez. Keep, keep adding it up, boys. Send me wow, an e-transfer if you have a second. <laughs> Whose dog's going off? Is that Frank? Did you oh, yeah, so, so Scott? Did you play? Did you play some of the props? Like, how, did, did do you tend to ever put money on, let's say, the coin flip? Which team's going to win the flip? Over under on the anthem or um, the Gatorade? Do you ever throw money on that, or are those just silly bets for you? Now, if I'm watching it with my fiance, then, you know, maybe for, for fun there, but uh, nothing serious. No, I, I just, it's so arbitrary and just completely out of my control that I just don't feel comfortable. I, I guess everything is out of my control, but there's, 
there's not much research you can say. Yeah. Oh, tails has hit what four of the last six, so it's probably going to be heads. But it's it, it's an arbitrary coin toss, so I, I just sort of stick to it. Although Gladys Knight over that was locked because she's old and you know <laughs> might take her a little longer. <laughs> and two people doing the national anthem this past year. Uh, like with Eric Church and uh, Jasmine Cyrus or whatever her last yeah. name was, uh, two people. It's going to take longer. So over two minutes was a lock, and it got leaked. So that also was easier. As soon as that, uh, as soon as they started in with a little guitar, gentle guitar at yeah. the beginning of the out al- at the anthem, I was like, "Oh, this is going way over." Yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, we had one text in from a listener, and I suppose this is kind of along the lines of a uh, rookie betting question, but someone said, you know, if you're someone who wants to get more serious into sports betting and you're looking at something like bankroll management, like for me, that term feels like a colossal term. Like, I don't even know how to begin to wrap my head around that. What would your best advice be to someone who, you know, maybe wants to put like, let's say a couple thousand into an account and start to get serious about sports betting? What would your advice be for like bankroll management? Yeah, so I, I think we touched on this early in the football season, and, and that's the 2 to 5% is what they talk about. So if you're a, quote, aggressive better, you're betting about 5% of your bankroll. If you're a conservative better, you're betting 2%. And again, it, it's bet what you're comfortable with. There's no right or wrong reason or uh, right or wrong answer, but typically – when you have a larger bankroll, you're going to feel more comfortable betting on the higher end of that percentage. So, or sorry, the inverse. Mm. Uh, so like if you have a hundred dollars, uh, 5% of that is $20. You may not want to bet that much because you know, five losses and you're re uh, you're redepositing. So you may feel more comfortable with a $10 bet, right? So it's, it's one of those things that you're just sort of, I guess that would be 5%. So you might yeah, be comfortable sorry. with a $5 bet. So that would be somewhere in that 2% range. So it's just basically whatever feels comfortable, but typically in that 2 to 5% is where um, is, is the comfort, comfort range. When you start going 10% of your bankroll, like that's, you got to be pretty damn sharp. And, and the reality is a professional sports, sports gambler is hitting 55 to 60%. That's reality. So, Unless you're Tim Donahue, then you're hitting about 80%. But, uh, <laughs> it's a little so, different situation. When you see these guys on fucking Twitter and Instagram who are DMing and following you saying, I am at 92%, that is basically the best way to be like, oh, you're a fucking scam artist then trying to take my money. That or they're betting, you know, oh, Alabama is hosting, I don't know. Just Whoever. The, the, the Citadel, an FCS team. North yeah, Western. Northwestern, something like this. You know, 28 and a half point favorites and they bet the money line. Congrats, 90%. Like, <laughs> and any fool can do that. But a legit better on sides and totals on the spread, minus 110 either side, 55 to 60% is where you, you don't become profitable until about 53 and a half percent. But a professional gambler, that's where they sit, 55 to 60%. Mm. They'll go on streaks where they might hit. I've gone on weeks where I've hit over 80% in a week. But I've also gone weeks where I go below 30%. You know, that's just the reality of sports betting is that you're going to have your ups and downs, but you want that consistent average owed of a full season between 55 and 60%. That's where you're a professional sports uh, better. Anything over 53%, you're uh, profitable. 
So don't listen to those jokers. <laughs> Scott, I want to ask you, uh, looking at the NHL, some betting on the NHL, you hooked us up with some good advice a little while ago on some shot props, like the Matthews one, if you can get it, Mark Stone, if you can get it. Any other trends you're looking at right now that could potentially make us some money if we get lucky? Yeah, the Matthews one has cooled off, though. It's been uh, – I've not been happy about that, but I'm still going to ride it because I still have faith in it. And and same with Connor McDavid. He slowed down a little bit, but he's still – uh, putting the shot totals up, uh, the over in the Vegas games, they are just, they're on fire right now. And that Western division is so bad, uh, that they're the cream of the crop and, and they're just lighting teams on fire. So that, that's one that I really like. And the unders in the Eastern division, I'm trying to remember what they're all called now, the Metro, the East, um, they've been really strong under teams and they're very defensively minded, except for Philly. Philly's a little different, but like the Islanders have been a great under bet as well. Uh, and right for you can sort of understand that with Barry trots and, and they have a fantastic defensive core, not too many, uh, threats offensively. So they're, they're a good under team and Anaheim has been an under team that I've been riding quite a bit. I think they're under is about four, nine and one, but they're just, I, I think Anaheim's one of the worst teams in the league. Like they're so slow out there. Um, they don't bring a lot that's intimidating, but they play uh, like a strong physical style that slows a game down and, and, and is great for the under. So uh, looking for certain teams. I like the Islanders and Anaheim unders and Vegas overs are, are the teams that I'm liking right now. I, uh, I've been thinking about this for a few weeks, but I want to find a way for us to do a bit of a pick em challenge here on the podcast, just uh, for some NFL stuff, kind of like what we did for the NFL. I'm hoping to have that figured out by uh, next week. If any listeners have any ideas, let me know. Uh, looking at oddshark.com right now, some articles up on NHL futures uh, bets and some award winners. The one that I want to start with is NHL heart trophy betting Connor McDavid up to plus two hundo on that. Um, is there value anywhere lower down? Like McKinnon's hurt. So I wouldn't want to bet on McKinnon I, and I'm going down like Panarin and the Rangers haven't been a huge story. Like is Austin Matthews, the best play outside of Connor McDavid. Yeah. Bring up Nathan McKinnon. That was my preseason, uh, hurt trophy there. So that <laughs> the injury hurt, hurt me a little bit. Uh, it's going to be tough to knock off McDavid. It, the, the only thing there, and I would never wish for this by any account, but it would be an injury is the only reason uh, that he wouldn't win the heart this year. He is, boy, he's so, yeah. he's, you guys get to watch him all Don't the time. Don't have to tell he us. <laughs> absolutely incredible. He's so fast. His end to end he had on Toronto there, uh, was that last Saturday night? Yeah. Uh, Disgusting. He's like, just somebody trip him or something. Like, <laughs> just take the penalty. Don't let him go end to end like that. Uh, so, yeah, he's averaging 1.8 points per game. That is just incredible. Could put up over 100 points in a shortened season. If you bet against Connor McDavid, you're just foolish. That said, I think, yeah, the value would have to be on Austin Matthews, just in the sense that if Toronto continues to roll through the North Division and they they put up a ridiculous uh, season as far as points go and stuff, and he continues his goal-scoring style, there's some value there at 9-1, to but... I'm I'm McDavid or nothing really makes sense. I'm also looking at the updated odds to win the Stanley cup. And uh, for those listening, the Oilers are at 28 to one right now. They're Sandra. They're right in the same spot actually as the jets and uh, just a little bit worse odds than the penguins. But my question to you is going to be this. 
Is there a team on this list with Stanley Cup potential who's maybe getting overlooked simply because they ran into like COVID problems or maybe just COVID is overshadowing the division or something like that? Like I'm looking at Boston at 12 to one. I like Boston at 12 to one. They're looking like a damn good hockey team. Is there a team on there that jumps off the page? You're going, fuck, they're undervalued right now. Washington 20 to one. Yeah. Washington. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're, they're They've had some issues. Of course they had what four or five, of the Russian players go out there with the, the COVID. Uh, they weren't even, none of them tested positive though, I believe. No, they, they just broke just, protocol. Right. And so did their goalie, their young goalie there too. So uh, yeah. who still hasn't returned or is close to returning. Sure. Um, so, you know, that's, that's an impact that they've slipped a little bit because of that. But when they're, when they're clicking and rolling and uh, everyone is non COVID protocol, uh, Washington at 20 to one, there, there's no reason that they don't make the playoffs in that division. Um, so then when you've got a one in 16 chance and you've got 20 to one, that uh, tells me a little bit of value. And um, I, I don't, that East is really, really tricky for me. There's so many, there, there's like, they're just all so very close that I can understand why they don't want to overvalue any team other than that. Cause I could see any, of the top four advancing on to the conference finals or stay in the cup finals. Uh, but that said, I think Washington is slightly better than the rest. And so at 20 to one, uh, they would be my value pick right now. Uh, by the time most people listen to this podcast, it's going to be too late to bet on games tonight. But is there anything you like on tonight's slate in the NHL? Just for a personal bet here? Is that what this is, fellas? Oh, yeah. This is 100% <laughs> yeah, me trying to, trying to make money. <laughs> yeah, I've right. so much on the Battle of Alberta and the Super Bowl, Scott. I got to get hot here. Uh, uh, well, I, I, do, I do like your Oilers tonight as an underdog in Montreal. Um, you know, I just think... A back-to-back for Montreal. It's a good spot for the Oilers. And uh, likely they'll go back to Jake Allen, not Carey Price. Uh, they talked about that last night in the Toronto-Montreal game that they're going to try and avoid doing back-to-backs with uh, yeah. Carey Price. So whether you're uh, afraid or confident of Jake Allen, that's an opportunity for the Oilers. Uh, the other tight game, uh, tight game that I like is uh, Carolina over Dallas. Carolina's minus 130 here. And I just... They're, they're a team that's really fun to watch. And, uh, yeah, so those are my two my two favorite plays today is uh, Carolina as a favorite and Edmonton as a dog. Beauty, so Scott. Parlay, Edmonton, and the, and the Hurricanes. If, parlay, Oilers, and Hurricanes. I, I think if you were going to go with Parlay, you'd throw Winnipeg in there just because they're playing Ottawa, but it's a little juicy at minus 210 that's, that's always the one that loses. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So I, I go a little tighter with Carolina and uh, – and you're getting Edmonton at about plus 120-ish. So, uh, yeah, I definitely like that. Oh, uh, you want to know a fucking heartbreaking parlay loss? So the book Uh-oh. I use has a promo where if once a week you put a $20 parlay on NHL, they'll give you a risk-free $20 bet the next week. So it's kind of just to yeah. keep going. So I parlayed the Lightning in regulation, the Golden Knights in regulation, the Sharks in regulation, but I had to get it to plus 600 for the promotion. So I was like, Kate, something super juicy. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, uh, over two and a half shots. Ryan Nugent Hopkins had two shots. He missed by one shot on goal. I missed out on 250 bones, man. I was fucking pissed. You uh, got a $20 free bet. So let's just hit that one and uh, all's forgotten, right? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> uh, Scott, yeah. appreciate your time, man. Thanks for it. 
Enjoy the game tonight, fellas, and go Oilers. Yes, sir. All right, there you go. That is Scott Hastings from Oddshark joining us on the Real Life Podcast. Uh, from Frank Saravalli to Scott Hastings, that was a fun episode of the Real Life Podcast. And we got some betting advice, too. Always that good. was so passive-aggressive with the go Oilers. We all, we all know he just wants the Oilers to win tonight so the Leafs can get a little further ahead in the standings. Oh, yeah. He doesn't care about no Oilers. No, Scott does not, but uh, that's okay. We love him for it. Uh, all right, I think that's going to wrap it up here. Hopefully, we get a fucking Oilers game tonight to watch, eh? Well, I got a question for you, Kate. Okay? One last question. The, 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 the big untold story from this season is there's a lot of games that have been postponed. Couple, mm-hmm. of, cu- couple to three every night. What are they going to do about that? I think they're going to have to go to – I think they're going to go to points percentage. Yeah, like I – there's just not, I was looking at the schedule and there's just not enough time baked into the back of the schedule that it just, I can't see everybody finishing 56 games. I I'm very interested to know. And I think I've talked about this on one of the podcasts before, where do they draw the line? Like at some point there's, there's going to be a breaking point where the NHL says, you know what? We can have a team play 12 games in 20 days, but we can't have a team play 13 or 14 in 20 days. Like I'm, I'm very curious to know at what point the NHL has to sort of drop the hammer and go, this team will not get 56 in. And we're deciding that now, like what if there's five games left in the regular season and a team gets shit postponed and they're one percentage point ahead of another team. Like, I don't know. It's just, I feel like it's going to be a really, really messy end of the season. Yeah. I think it's going to be ugly. I think it's going to be really disappointing. Can you imagine if the Oilers like missed the playoffs by like 0.10 on a percentage point or something like that? 0.010, well, like something insane. Example to that point, Tyler, like if the season ended today, the Oilers are in a playoff spot by points, but if you went by points percentage, they would get bumped out to Calgary. Yeah. They would, and it would be really close to Calgary's at 0.542 Edmonton's at 0.533. So like literally it's a difference of like one game. If the Oilers would have had an OT loss instead of a regulation loss in there, like that's the fucking difference. You're telling me it's, it's ridiculous, man. And I really hope it doesn't come to that. I hope things get cleaned up a little bit, but I, I will admit it's concerning that we have our first COVID scare in the North division here. I know the Canucks had one sort of earlier in the year, but like this is really the first time a game in the North has been in danger of being postponed. Yeah. I was really proud of that fact too. I was thinking, you know, like the North, you know, like let's show them that we, that, that it's possible. Right. And so this news that you gave us about an hour ago is a little alarming. Little alarming, but we'll keep tabs on it. As always, here's where I'll plug Oilers Nation. Keep it on OilersNation.com and on our Twitter for all the latest because we're always sharing that shit. Also, if you want a new hockey podcast to mix into your rotation, uh, the DFO Rundown with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger, I'm producing it as well. So you know it's going to sound half decent. Just kidding. Um, But it's out on YouTube and also wherever you get your podcasts from. Basically, it's a nice mix of like, 20 minutes of sort of lighthearted chatter. Also, Frank brings it with the sort of the inside scoops and he's going to be dropping in a little, a, a few nuggets of information that he maybe won't be throwing out on Twitter or on other, other areas and platforms. So good inside info, good chatter, and also big guests coming up all the time. I think tomorrow we have Kevin Weeks on the pod who almost got that Pittsburgh Penguins GM job. So that'll be a fun chat with him. So download the DFO rundown, visit dailyfaceoff.com. Tell a couple friends about it as well from me. If you like this podcast and if you like me, just do me a solid and listen to the new DFO rundown. Uh, Chalmers, Bag Milk, thanks for giving me an hour today. That was a ton of fun. 
That was good. Thanks for having me again. Before we wrap up, I got to give a little bit more love to our friends at twigandberries.ca. Promo code NATION15 gets you 15% off. Good local company. They make good local products. No judgment, no shaming, no fancy words. It's just real men. And it is just really damn comfy clothes and underwear as well. Their own brand Nutsack is fantastic. And shout out to Oodle Noodle as well. Hopefully everyone listening to this enjoyed a hockey game on this Thursday night. If not, enjoy the rest of your weekend, Oilers fans episode 285 of the real life podcast is over great job on making it through the entire hour of the real life podcast don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.